As people finally come in, uh, my name's Brent. I, too, am one of the pastors here. And this time, Thursday morning, I didn't know I was going to be preaching this morning. So Jamie texted me at 5.30 on Friday morning, said he's positive with COVID. And so it's interesting. Um, our last elders meeting, Jamie said, you know, as Jamie, as the, the main preaching uh, pastor, says he wants to get the other pastors up in front of the congregation more. So last week, Steve gave the sermon, and that was planned. And I didn't expect Jamie to go to such extremes to get COVID to get another one up here. So I don't know what he's going to do for you, uh, Pastor Matt, but you might want to get a sermon ready. So, But all seriousness, um, we are in the middle of the um, series on Luke, but since... Jamie prepared that and not me. I will be doing a sermon on Psalm 51, a psalm of repentance. So we're going to read the psalm together. I'm going to pray for God's mercy, and then uh, we'll look at Psalm 51 line by line. So please join me as we, as I will read Psalm 51, and um, we'll go from there. Psalm 51. To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise." Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. 
Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning and we just call upon your mercy. Even as David called upon your mercy, we call upon your mercy too, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you remove every bit of myself from me and that you would speak to your people through your servant, Lord. I have nothing to offer your people, Lord, but you do. Your words are the words of life. Your words are the words of joy. So I ask that you give us life and give us joy through your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. So the Bible tells us David, King David, was a man after God's own heart. And if there's a man that's after God's own heart, what did David do that was so grievous that he would write a psalm like Psalm 51, blot, blot, blot out my transgressions? Well, to get a full picture of that, to see why he wrote this, we need to go to 2 Samuel verse 11, or chapter 11. And um, I'm going to read this, 2 Samuel 11, starting in verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. They ravaged the Amorites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when, Davis, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. And then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Well, this doesn't sound like the actions of a man after God's own heart, does it? But the word tells us it happened anyway. And so what did David do then? It continues on, which I'm not going to read, but I'll give you the highlights. He wanted to cover his sin, so he uh, Uriah was at the battlefield, so he called Uriah home and said, um, ask him how the battle was going and, you know, go home, be with your wife, and then before you go back to the battle. And, but Uriah would not do that. As a man of honor, he said, if my men are sleeping in the field, who am I to enjoy the comforts of my home? So the next day, David invited Uriah over, gave him a bunch of drink, thought, if I get him drunk, he'll go home and want to sleep with his wife. But again, Uriah didn't do that. Finally, out, out of desperation, David wrote a note and sent it to the front line and said, put Uriah at the front line of the battle. And then all the men retreat, hoping that Uriah would be killed to cover what he had done. And it worked. Who needs Netflix? We got murder, we've got deceit, we got um, uh, uh, adultery. What is going on here? These aren't things of a, of a godly man, but he was a real man. And the word of God gives us every aspect 
of man, including this. So finally, um, after he had died, being a, being a man that you know wanted to take care of this, he took uh, Bathsheba as his wife. And it tells us this thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So the psalm starts with, to the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet, God talked to Nathan. He was one of the prophets at time and told him, you need to confront David. And he didn't know how to do that. So he said, he, he told David a story. He told him a story of a very rich man that had many sheep. And there's this, a poor man who bought one little ewe lamb and raised him and um, was, was part of the family. And that's the only lamb he had. And a guest came to the rich man's house, but he didn't want to give anything out of his abundance. So he, he took the poor man's lamb slaughtered it, and served it to his, his guest. And Nathan told this story to David, and David says, as surely as God lives, this man deserves to die. And that's when Nathan said, you are this man. Ouch. So, David was confronted in his sin, repented of that, and he penned Psalm 51. So that is the background of why... Um, David wrote this. So this is a psalm of repentance. But what is repentance? Repentance is a turning away, going the opposite direct direction from your sin. Feeling sorry about your sin is not repentance. Being confronted and said, yeah, I was wrong, was not repentance. If you turn the opposite way and go the opposite direction, that is true repentance. So we're going to look at this psalm, which is a psalm of repentance, in, in three parts. The verse 1 through 6 is a uh, confession. And then psalm uh, verse 7 through 13 is restoration, and then finally praise. And this is the way we can come to God, too, when we have sinned, and we need to have a time of repentance, to confess your sin, have a time of restoration, and praise God. And he lays it out this way. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. David is admitting his guilt. The first step of repentance for any sin, for David, for us, is admitting that you are guilty. And notice he says a plea for mercy. Have mercy on me, Lord. And what is mercy? Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. David, through his sin of adultery, deceit, murder, in the eyes of God, deserved death. But God has mercy on him. God not only forgave him, it says he blotted out his transgressions. That means to completely obliterate. It's gone. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You notice how David was taking responsibility for his own sin. Not like Adam and Eve. Adam and said, well, that woman you gave me, 
blame-shifting for his sin. Or Eve, well, that serpent deceived me. It was his sin. And you need to, to admit when, when you have sinned. It's not my, my spouse's fault. It's not my father's fault. It's not my employer's fault. When I sin, it's my fault. Verse 3. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So as David points out here, against you, you only have I sinned. Ultimately, all of our sin is against God. Yes, David sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against the whole nation of Israel as a leader who is to show them the way to God. But ultimately, his sin and my sin and your sin is a sin against God. Sin is a willful breaking of God's law. We don't need to be told adultery is wrong. We already know that. We don't need to be told that murder is wrong. We already know that. But I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anybody, so I must be okay. Well, what does Jesus say? Jesus says in Matthew 5.28, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Part of the Beatitudes. He goes on and says, But I say that anyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Well, I'm ashamed to tell you, but I think I've been, according to Jesus, been guilty of adultery and murder. And God convicted David of his sin of adultery and murder. Against you and only you have I sinned. Again, the beginning of your repentance is the confession of your sin. God already knows that we sin. We don't hide anything from Him. It's when we recognize it ourselves. The healing can only start once I recognize that I have sinned. And not only have I sinned, as, as David said here in 4, you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. I'm totally guilty. So when he, if, G, if God would put judgment on me, I'm totally, I have no recourse. But again, going back to God's mercy, God loves us and has mercy for, for each and every one of us. Verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in an iniquity, and my sin did not, my mother, let me start over. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David confesses he was born a sinner. We are all born a sinner. Romans tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need to confess each one of us that we are sinners. Verse, verse 6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. 
We need to understand, as David understood, that our sinfulness originates in our heart. That's where it all starts. Not in our mind. Your heart is what God convicts you. When you hear the Word of God, do you not feel a burning in your heart? When you're convicted, do you not feel a stirring within your inner being? That conviction is a gift of God. If I, had no convi- if I sinned and had no conviction, that means God has no part of me. But as a Christian, when I sin and God gives me heavy conviction, that tells me that I am his son, and he wants to bring me back into a right relationship with him. So you, you need to guard your heart. And when he speaks to your heart, um, guard your heart, get back to So David confessed his sin to God. And this is how we have restoration then. As I said, the first part was confession. Yes, David sinned. Yes, I am a sinner. I can confess that. Once confessed, now there's restoration. Verse 7. This is how we have restoration. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Well, what is hyssop? What, what, what is that supposed to signify? Actually, hyssop is a plant from the mint family. And in um, ancient times, it was a, used in rituals and used in medicine. And the first time it was used, brought in the Bible, was in Exodus 12. Hyssop was used when it, it says... And Exodus is when they're in Egypt, and this was the night of the Passover, that God called them out of Egypt. And it tells us, take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. This blood, as we know this side of the cross, was symbolizing the blood of Jesus. And they were covering each of their houses for the, for the Passover. And if God saw the blood on the doorpost, the avenging angel or the angel of death would pass over that house. So David would understand when he says to take hyssop would be to dip it in blood. Also, it was used, um, hyssop was used to sprinkle blood in ceremonial cleansing if anybody was in contact with a dead body. Again, it had to be dipped in the blood. So David understand, and what he was asking was to be purified with hyssop. He was asking to be covered by the blood of Jesus. David was asking for cleansing. And after he is cleansed, he can go on then and says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. The emphasis here is on rejoicing, not on his broken bones. The broken bones was what we looked at under confession. When when he had that heaviness of heart, the crushing was crushing his bones too. It's the way David put it. So after confessing of the breaking of the bones, he has joy and gladness. Again, that gift of God's conviction weighed heavy on David until he confessed his sin. Again, 
Once you confess your sin, then Jesus can heal you. Confession always comes before restoration. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Notice what David had asked to be cleansed, his heart. As I talked about a little earlier, that is the seed of our emotion. God convicts our heart. And he, he, David, was asking for a cleansing of his heart. He asked for a create in me a new heart. He's asking for a brand new heart. And only God can do this. I like it when, when you read it in the original, it said, create in me, the original word is varah, which is in Genesis 1.1. God created. When God created the heavens and the earth, he created that out of nothing. He took nothing and created us. And only, and it's the same word that David says, create in me a clean heart. Only God, as he created the earth and the world, only God can create a new heart in man. So once he has that new heart, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Notice David didn't ask for the joy of his salvation, the salvation of David. It says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Salvation is a gift of God. And he asks to rejoice, to return to that joy of salvation. See, sin will steal your joy. That grieves the Holy Spirit. That's what was meant by verse 11 when he said, cast me not away. Because when you sin, you're removing yourself from God in that distance. Then I will teach, verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. When fully restored to God, God can use us. When you haven't confessed your sin or you're still in that, God can't use us. So confess, ask for cleansing and be restored. Then comes the joy, and then comes praise. But also notice it says, I will teach transgressors your ways. And that is part of the joy. Our cleansing is not for us. Yes, we are cleansed. But God can't use us until we are cleansed. And then we are to bring glory to God through telling others about Jesus. When we're not in right relationship, we can't do that. We can't glorify God. That is why God saved each and every one of us. It's not about me getting saved. It's about God saving me so I can give Him glory and bring others to God. Verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Again, he said blood guiltness. He knows he's guilty, but he knows God is greater than his sin. David was guilty of the bloodshed of Uriah. It was blotted out. That's why God could declare, David could declare God's praise. So we need to accept God's forgiveness too when we come to God so we can be fruitful. It's been said when you truly confess your, your sins to God, 
The only person who remembers your sins are yourself and Satan, because he'll hold that against you. In the eyes of God, if you truly have confessed your sins, your sins are, are far as from the east to the west. And when you truly realize that, you can praise God and be fruitful for him. Verse 15, O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. When I realize that I am totally forgiven, I can praise God. I will open my lips. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You will not despise. So let's put this all together. What's David saying here? David knew the penalty of sin was the shedding of blood. That was the purpose of the Old Testament sacrificial system. So to be right with God, you would have to have a shedding of blood, kill an animal, a bull, a lamb, a dove, and that would erase your sin until the next time you needed to give sacrifice. Hebrews tells us also, under the law, everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So when he's talking about that sacrificial system, having to bring the blood of bulls to God, but he says there, God does not delight in the ritual of sacrifice. God delights in the sacrifice of a contrite or crushed heart. And we looked at that earlier when his bones were broken and when his heart was rent. So what does it mean to have a broken spirit or a crushed heart? Or the crushed bones in verse 8? It means going back to verse 3 to 5 and acknowledging, I have known my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. I was brought forth in iniquity. He's confessing that. He has a broken heart. He has a crushed spirit. It means recognizing and confessing that I was born into sin. It means recognizing my sin is ever before me. It means recognizing that my sin separates me from God. David recognized this through Nathan, and we can recognize this through the Holy Spirit when God convicts us. This is what Jesus told us in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Just heard that in Psalm 51. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The sacrifices of God are a contrite heart. Again, until we recognize that we are broken, God cannot fix us. And God hasn't changed. It was the same in the Old Testament for, for David. And it hasn't changed in the sense that in the Old Testament, God looked forward to the blood of Jesus on the cross to cover sins. Today, God looks back at the cross and the blood on the cross of Jesus to cover our sins. This plan has been in place since the beginning of time. It wasn't plan B, it was plan A. 
Because David's sins is covered, David declares, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. And we're to do the same thing. Again, Hebrews tells us, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruits of the lips that acknowledge his name. We are to have a sacrifice of praise. We can recognize that we're broken people. We can confess that for restoration and then praise God for his, for his forgiveness. And that is our sacrifice of praise. So I tell you this morning, if, you've, if you feel that burning conviction in your hearts, if you've never confessed your sinfulness to God, allow God to crush your heart today. Confess you're a sinner. Ask God to cleanse you. Ask God to restore you, and He will. Do you want the joy and gladness that David experienced? There's only one way, and that's to confess and be cleaned. What about us who's been walking with Jesus a year, 50 years, 60 years, maybe 70 years? It's the same thing. We, we need to come to Him continuously. But in light of Psalm 51, what else does that tell us? See, it means as a Christian, sometimes you need a Nathan in your life. You are that man. And it means when Nathan comes to you, you need to have the humility of David and repent. There's many times in my life that I've had brothers in the Lord come to me and say, Brent, you're blowing it. And you're right. And we would pray about it. And then there's restoration. It also means sometimes you need to be the Nathan. Do you, do you brothers see another brother that's an obvious sin? And I'm not ta- talking I don't like, you know, a trivial thing or tradition or but something that's against God's law and you know it's wrong and you see a brother doing it or a sister. Yes, a sister should confront a sister and a brother should confront a brother. That's what it tells us in Matthew. If you see a brother sinning, you need to go to them. It means as a Christian, if the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, you need to do to David as David did. And again, confess your sin. Ask to be cleansed. Be restored and walk in joy for his faithfulness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We just thank you, Lord, that Nathan came to David. I thank you for the Nathans in my life, Lord. And I thank you the time that you've used myself as a Nathan to heal a brother or sister. Help each and every one of us to have the humility to be able to confront a brother and sister in in need. But more so, Lord, give me the humility when I am confronted that I can confess to you. We all confess that we need you, and not just when we came to you originally. We need you every day, Lord. We thank you that you do restore and give us the joy of our salvation, Lord. And for that, we will just praise you. Just praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you've confessed this morning, I can tell you again, that your sin as far as from the east is from the west. And I'd like to close with this verse from Hebrews 4, 16. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.